You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Would you pray with me? Father God, we know that uh, all things work together for good, and you have a purpose and a plan for us here today, that we've come and we've gathered to worship you, and that's been our joy. Those songs we sang are the deepest uh, desires of our hearts, that we would come to know you in such a way that, that when temptation comes, that when life comes at us, we would stand on, on, on who we are and on whose we are. Who we are, children of the Most High God. Whose we are. We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. My goodness, what an incredible blessing. And so, Father God, when we open your word and we allow that truth to speak to our hearts, do what needs to be done. Open our eyes that we could see, our ears that we can hear a word from you, and then take it and use it for your honor and for your glory. That when we leave, that we would leave change because we've had an incredible time to sit at your feet, to, to just love you, and to come to know who we are before a holy God. We ask this in your name. Amen. Okay, so I, I talked with Joe uh, some time ago, and I told him, you know, hey, I'm getting burnt out, so I'm going to take some time off. And I began to ask Joe, I go, what are you doing? And Because I can tell, you know, I do meet with Joe once a month over the phone, and I get the privilege to meet with him also, um, with the lead team guys, but he and I also sometimes periodically get together. And ministry is hard. I don't know if you know this or not, but ministry is hard. And it's because we, we bring our stuff home. You know, we, we're never off the clock. Um, I was in your neck of the woods not too long ago visiting a, 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 young, a young lady that's dealing with uh, cancer, and who do I bump into? Joe. And I mean, this is a Friday, and I could tell just by looking at him that he's been going, 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 going. And, you know, after a while, as all you do, all these different things with people, it begins to wear on you. And so I began to tell him, hey, I'm taking some time off. How long have you been doing this? And um, I've been with Joe from the beginning. I remember coming and meeting him over at the uh, Youth for Christ building and saw this guy with tattoos and a beard. And it's like, oh, no, here we go again. You know, another one. <laughs> but um, when he opened his heart and it, through his mouth, it was like, yeah, this is our guy. And so we were so blessed. And I said, Joe, you know, have you thought about taking some time? You and Christy need to take some time. And so we began to talk how that could happen and stuff. And to watch him to uh, be able to do that, I just want to tell you thank you. Because what you're doing for Joe and for Christy and for the family is an amazing thing. You're giving him a time to, to refresh and to renew. You're giving him a time to... to he wants to read a thousand books. I told him, take Christy out on a bunch of dates, spend single time with your kids, just kick back and relax. And so hopefully he'll do that. And when he comes back, you will reap the benefits of that. And so when he said, what do you want to talk about? I said, I want, I want to talk to, to your people, who are God's people, who are then my people. Um, I want to talk to him about a story uh, from the book of Luke. And he goes, no, you can't talk on Luke. I, I spent these guys five years through Luke. We can't do Luke anymore. They're sick of Luke. And, and I said, okay, well, I'll come at it from a little different perspective. I'm sure you got the theological uh, position on everything when it comes to Luke. I want to talk to you about the practical parts of Luke. So you're going to need to take your Bibles and turn to Luke chapter 5. It's a very simple story. It's a story, and this is what I love the most about Jesus and about what I do. We get to tell stories. 
And this story about Jesus and, and calling some of those first disciples is an amazing story because it, it tells us some things about ourselves. So in Luke chapter 5, let me go back over here to the blinded light. <coughs> I think this is what heaven will be like. Or maybe. Maybe the other place. Okay. Okay. It says, uh, Luke chapter 5. You probably can recite this because you probably already know it, right? Um, on one occasion, starting at verse 1, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, see how excited they were to hear what he had to say? He was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. Okay. This is the lake of Galilee. All right. Why they didn't say Galilee? I don't know. I think Luke likes to show off with all of his words. You know, he likes to, he's the doctor, so he likes to show off. Okay. So he's over there by the lake and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out, out of them and were washing their nets. In other words, they're done. They're done. Verse 3, getting into, the, into one of the boats, uh, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little bit from the land and to sit down. And, and then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Peter, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Not fishing. This is catching. <coughs> And Simon answered him, Master or Rabbi, we've toiled all night and, and took nothing, but at your word I will let, let down the nets. And they enclosed such a large number of fish that their nets were breaking. So they signaled to their partners on, in the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both the boats so much that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, for, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to him, Simon, do not be afraid, for from now on you will, you will be catching men or become fishers of men. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him in obedience. When we look at this story, the story is pretty plain. I mean, uh, Jesus has been out there. He's been talking. Remember now, he's already encountered Peter, right? Because Andrew brought him to him. Remember? You know, Andrew runs to, uh, to Peter and says, hey, hey, or Simon at that time. And he says, hey, hey, I think I've met the guy. He knows everything. It's the Messiah. Okay, so this is the second or third time that, that, that Peter has actually had an opportunity to, to hear or to see or to be a part of Jesus. And so you can see what's going on. He's come out and they're out by this lake and he's standing at the you know the the shoreline and he begins to talk and all these people are coming in I can see Peter he's got his nets over here and he's got them out because they fished all night and they're separating them he's looking for tears and and washing them because they're full of salt water so they're getting all that off so it doesn't destroy the nets he's got he's got one eye and ear over here and then he's got one ear over here and he's listening to what the master has to say and the people get, are so excited to be around Jesus that they begin to almost push him into the water. And so Jesus, being a smart man that he was, gets up on the boat. And, and of course, it's Simon's boat. And so Simon gets on there with him and, and they move out a little bit. And Jesus begins to talk to them. And, and, but that's not the powerful part of this story. The powerful part of this story is what happens after he gets talking. You see, the powerful thing that happened in your life um, is when you began to hear the story. 
when you first heard about Jesus and you recognize that there's something different about him. There's something unique about him and, and you can't put your finger on it, but you know that you just need to hear more. And that's what's going on here. Peter's wanting to know more. And so when we look at this passage, what we see is, you know, once we've been redeemed, once we've been saved, once we've had an encounter with the Savior, right? Jesus calls us to a deeper relationship. How do we know that? Because that's what it says here. And you say, well, I don't see that, Jack. And I go, well, okay, let's look at this together. When we first look at this, what we see is, number one, that we're called to a deeper commitment to Jesus. And, and we see that in those verses uh, 3 through 6, right? It says uh, Jesus got in the boat and when he got done talking in verse 4 it says, he says to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And, and, and Simon says, um, hey man, don't you get it? You know, um, we, we can't do that, Lord. We, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. You see, when, when you first responded to, to Jesus' call in your life, he calls you to a deeper commitment. And I don't know where you're at, but Joe does, to some degree. But you know who really knows where you're at? The Lord. His greatest desire for you is to come to know him in such a way that, that you reflect him. That, that you live for him, that you make choices because you're not defined by your past, but by who you are in him. This is why I always tell our people, you know, the most important thing you need to know in life is who you are and whose you are. Why? Because that changes everything. It changes where you go and what you say and how you do it and why you do what you do. It changes the kind of parent that you become. It changes every part of your life when you realize who you are. I am, and this is what I tell our people, I am a... Sinner saved by God's grace and at the same time a saint who sometimes sin. And that's who you are. That's who we are. But whose we are is greater than anything. We belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Not by coincidence and not by chance, but by God's holy choice. You, 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 you heard uh, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 where it says that we are saved by grace not, and, and it's nothing that you've done. It's the gift of God. Why? Because we don't want anybody bragging about, well, you know what? Hey, I chose God. No, no, he chose you. There's nothing good in us. And God chose you. But notice what it says in that verse 10. I'm so glad that you added that because people normally don't do that. It, that you were saved for a purpose and a plan. God has that for you. So let me ask you, are you searching that out? Do you know what that is? Are you asking him on a regular basis, God, what is your plan for my life? How will you use me to change this world and bring honor and glory to your kingdom? If you're not doing that, that needs to be a part of your prayer. And so when we look at this, when we're, when we're redeemed and God calls us when we encounter him, the first thing he wants to do is call us out into a deeper commitment. It, 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 but here's the deal. You know, I mean, how many of us have ever been to the ocean? Have you been to the ocean? A few of us, okay. Been to a lake? Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you like the water, you know, you don't have a problem going out to the water. But for some people, you know what? People like to stay by the shoreline. Why? Because the shoreline is a safe place to be, isn't it? You can play on the edge, right? You can get in the sand. You can dink around. 
That's a safe place to be. That's the place where you can go. There's no real fear there. There's nothing to be concerned about. There's nothing to wonder about or to worry about. It's that place where we feel comfortable because it's familiar to us. We're not afraid of it. It's safe. But it requires a little, little faith just to stay there. But this is why Jesus calls Peter to put out into the deep. And he's doing the same for you. He's doing the same for me. The worst thing we can do as, as Christ followers is to come to that point where we feel like we've arrived. That'll never happen. We ought to be challenging ourselves every day to grow in grace and to grow in mercy and to grow in the love of Christ. I mean, ultimately, he's called us to do two things, right? Love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Oh, I like this. Yeah. Yeah. Because only then can we love our neighbor as God has called us to do. But we got to get beyond the shoreline. And when you do that, when you start to move out, right, when, when we hear Christ calling our hearts in our lives and we begin to leave the safety of the shoreline, then, then what will happen is we'll be, we'll be tempted to, to question his, his leadership, his authority. And, and we'll be tempted in certain ways, like we'll be tempted first and foremost to be guided by our friends. You know, if you start telling your friends, those people that you hung with before you had this encounter with Christ, they might be saying, okay, you know, that's cool that you're going to church and it's good that, you know, that, that's good for you that you're going on Sunday and you're doing this and that. But, you know, don't get too carried away with that Jesus stuff. Don't get too carried away with that church stuff. You know, don't become some kind of, of a fanatic. Otherwise, you know, I don't know that we can be hanging with one another anymore. Your friends are going to try to guide you away. And I'm not telling you to drop your friend, but I'm telling you, be prepared for that. Why? Because when you move out into the deeper waters, when you move out into that deep spot where you're, uh, you know, one and one in the boat with Jesus, he's going to challenge you to do things that you wouldn't normally do. And so he's going to say, what are you going to do when? When this happens, when that happens, when you find yourself in that place or in that circumstances, are you going to trust me? Or sometimes, you know, it could be the next thing, you know, we'll be tempted to be guided by our own experiences. Here's the great part about this story. Here's this rabbi, this teacher, coming to tell this fisherman how to fish. <laughs> now, I don't know about you, but um, I, I used to own a, a roofing siding business, okay? And so I know what it's like to roof. I know what you have to do. I know that if, if Jesus would have came to me and said, Hey, Jack, I think, you know, the whole way that you're doing this is wrong. You need to come out here at night, put little lights on your head. And, you know, uh, you don't need these good ladders. Let's use these rickety ladders. And, you know, I'm going to show you how to do this. You know what I would tell Jesus? <laughs> yeah, I'll see you in the morning, bud. Yeah, yeah. I'm not doing that. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know what's going on here, but Peter, you know, in the back of his mind, because he's human like us, he, he's probably in the back of his mind, he's saying, look, dude, I just got done cleaning out all these nets, you know what I mean? Got them all washed, they're all set for tonight, okay? You want me to go out and to get them dirty again? And, and perhaps his friends are hearing him, right? And his friends are, you know, like we just talked about, are saying, don't do it, man, don't do it, don't go there. You know, or you're not, you're not going to get any sleep today because when you get back in after you haven't caught anything all day, you, you know what, you're going you're to end up doing the same thing over and over again. Our own experiences, sometimes we, we trust those more than we trust 
the Savior. And we need to be careful because that's a temptation. When God calls us out into the deep waters, he's doing that in order to reveal new things to us, new abilities. And, and he's moving us out there that we might take those things that we know and put them into place, put them into work for us. And so one of those things that will happen is that you'll be tempted to fall back on your experiences instead of, you know, trusting what, what God might have for you to do. But thank goodness here, Peter doesn't. Peter says, okay. By the way, you know how they fish back in those days? They don't grab a pole and a lure and they throw it out there or they drown the worm or anything like that. They fish at night. Why at night? Because it was easiest. They would be out in these, like, uh, these boats and they would take a light and they would hang it over the water in the nighttime. And the what? Fish would be what? Attracted to the light. And, and as the fish were attracted to the light, they would put their nets out and whoosh them in and call them in. Isn't it interesting that that's exactly what Jesus did, right? He came into the world as what? The light of the world. He shone his light in the darkness, what? Woo. Ran away from it. And he's going to tell these guys that they're to become what? Not fishermen, but fishers of men. You've got to follow the light. And so sometimes we're going to trust in our own experiences. We can't do that. We have to trust God to know that whatever it is that he's called us to do, that he'll be faithful to be there to walk us through it. But then also we'll be tempted to, uh, to not obey simply because of fears. We have, there it is. That was my saber. <laughs> I have a sword over there, but it's on, it's on the pulpit. Anyway, okay, so where was that? Yeah, okay, so, um, you, you know what, fear, anybody here have any fears? Yeah, I'm glad I'm not the only one. Yeah, 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 life is full of fears, isn't it? Yeah. You know, oftentimes it's because we've tried something in the past that didn't work, so we fear failure. And, and Peter, you know, you've got to be thinking. Peter's thinking, you know, I don't know what the guys are going to say when we come back. We haven't caught anything. You know, I got two partners sitting over there. I'm sure they're not too happy with me, you know, James and John. And they're the sons of? Yeah, great. So we're going to go out here. We're going to go fishing. We're not going to catch anything. I'm going to come back. And those two are going to what? Just blow us away. Yep. You dummy. We told you not to go. You know, fear. When God calls you out to a deeper commitment and to a deeper relationship with him, he's going to ask you to put those things aside. To set those aside and to trust that where he takes you, as we say, you know what? He'll be there. That's his promise. He never breaks his promises. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And so in the very beginning, Jesus takes Simon, and I think he's just telling him that this is how it's going to go. You know, Peter, I'm going to take you for a ride. In fact, your name is Simon. I'm going to change it to Peter the Rock. And you and I together are going to go on a ride. It's going to be an amazing journey. In fact, we're going to write a different story. Different from the one that you thought. You thought you were going to be a fisherman your whole life. I'm going to write a different story in order to show you what I can do through a life of an individual who's willing to trust me and to follow me. And so first and foremost, we need to realize that when we're called, we're called out into the deeper waters with our Savior. And, and then secondly, notice, you know what? We can't accomplish this on our own. We can't. We can't do this on our own. No, notice what happened. They got this huge number of fish. In fact, so many that it's breaking, up the, breaking their nets. And so what do they do? They signaled their partners in the other boat 
the two big mouths, right? Can I be on your right? Can I be on your left? The two big mouths on the other, oh, it doesn't say that. They signaled their partners on the other boat to come and to help them. And they came and filled both boats so much that they began to sink. Here's the beauty of the church. God has not called us on this journey. He's not called us to rewrite our story to make it new because our past doesn't define us what we do from this point on. Well, what he does is he provides us with support and that support is called the church. It's called for you the well. It's an opportunity for you to gather with brothers and sisters and grow together, to encourage one another, to walk with one another, to know that, you, you know what, when I go through tough times, I got a place where I can come, and where I can be lifted up, and where I can be challenged. It does my heart so good when I hear about how you take care of Joe and Christy. Why? Because, man, they're trying to do everything they can for you. And, and when you show them that love, it's just an amazing thing. It's a powerful. It's the church being the church. Coming there and being there for one another. I, I heard a great definition of the church, and, and I wrote it down because, see, I didn't, I didn't know you guys until today, but um, this, this kind of reminded me maybe of, of your church. The church is a group of pardoned rebels. <laughs> a group of pardoned rebels whom God wants to use to display his glory did you ever see yourself like that did you ever think that you know you once were opposed and now you're a part of the kingdom and you were a rebel and you'll continue to be a rebel just with a different cause you're going to be a rebel for the king of kings and the lord of lords you're called a Christ follower and that's what the church is, a group of pardoned rebels whom God wants to use to display his glory before all the heavenly hosts. Why? Because they tell the truth about him. And, and, and looking in increasingly just like him, holy, loving, and united. And, and this is what the church is. We're a group of rebels who show God's glory to show that, you know what, his plan is, is perfect and it's right. And, and he shows it to who? The heavenly beings, the angels. And they look down and they say, wow, look what you're doing to them. They're becoming like you. Isn't that cool? That, that, that you're becoming like the king of kings. That, that through the shed blood of Christ, you know what? He's looking and he's saying, yeah, look at my man there. Look at Brandon. Got no hair, but he got an amazing beard. He's, he's using it for the kingdom. I'd pick on Eric if he was here, too. Who, who are the two guys that just got baptized? Are they here? Oh, Seth and Seth. Where's Seth? Dude! <laughs> that was so amazing. I'm watching this and it's like, was that your father-in-law? That, yeah. that was my dad. That was your dad. See, I mean, that is just so cool. You know, God is transforming us. He's, he's changing us. And the angels look down and they're saying, whoa, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Isn't that a part of the guys where, you know, God told them what to do, put him in this perfect place, and, you know, he messed up everything? Well, look what he's doing. Yeah, this is crazy. I don't understand it. Yeah, that's God. He's doing it in your life. He's changing you. He's making you different. And, and that's just an exciting thing to watch. I mean, to know that God has brought you together as a church in order to accomplish his purpose here in Hastings. That you, you never know, according to Ephesians 2.10, 2, you know. But God has given you a purpose, and your purpose is here. And that is to begin in your families and to go outward to those places where you work, where you go to school, where you bump into one another. Maybe here at the Y. 
to tell people who you live for and what your greatest joy is to walk with Jesus. I love that shirt that guy's got on in the back there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Third, you know what? We're called into a deeper intimacy. That's different, you know. That, that's different than being, you know, into a deeper commitment. Intimacy, uh, that goes from like, you know, dating your wife to marrying her. From, you know, kissing her in, in the car to, to going the, and sharing that special place in the bedroom with her. That's the intimacy that, that, that we're called to with Christ. That, that, that ability to be able to be um, so open, so revealing, so uh, just honest. To be able to go to him and to, to, to share with him all those things. In fact, when we look at this, notice how Peter responds to Jesus' miracle. Right? I, I mean, in the beginning, he, he calls Jesus what? Teacher, rabbi. But notice what happens when, when all of a sudden, you know, this miracle takes place and, and Peter is just overwhelmed. Did you see his response? Verse 8. But when Simon Peter saw it, saw the miracle, saw that these boats were filled with fish, he fell down at the knees of Jesus, saying, Depart from me. Why? For I am a sinful man, O Lord. Here's Peter dumping his guts. Here's Peter saying, Look, I know who I am because I know now who I'm standing for. You are more than a teacher. You are more than a rabbi. Eventually, he, Jesus is going to ask the question, who do people say that I am? Some are going to say a prophet. Some are going to say, you know, a teacher. Some, John the Baptist, you know. And then he hits and he says, but who do you say that I am? And Peter, with the big mouth, jumps up and says, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. Why does he say that? Because he's grown in this relationship. Of course, the passage tells him because Jesus says, Peter, you didn't get that on your own, although I'm sure you've been watching. You know, you got that from my heavenly Father. And that's the beauty of our story is that our story is initiated by God's work in our lives. He is the one who began it, and he's the one who continues it. He calls us to, to walk with him and, and to share life with him. And, and that's when it becomes more intimate. And, and you need to know that that's a battle. I mean, Peter's not saying, Jesus, get out of here. Peter's saying, look at me. I am sinful. What are you doing in my presence? And, and, and Jesus could have said, yep, you're right, Peter. Jump out of the boat and leave. But he doesn't. He doesn't do that. In fact, what's he going to do here in a little bit? He's going to challenge him. And the same thing, when you came before Christ and you acknowledged who you were, that you were a sinner in need of, of being redeemed, of being saved. God looked at you and said, yeah, yeah, I got plans for you. And I know that feeling of remorse and how you take care of that is you accept what I've done for you on that cross. And everything begins to change. You begin to see life in a whole new, whole new way. Remember in the garden, right? The, the whole thing of Jesus, God told Adam and Eve, you know, you can go anywhere you want, but, you know, you just got to stay away from this place. Of course, uh, Eve lures at Adam over there, right? Isn't that how it happened? Yeah. Something like that. We got we to gotta blame somebody. We're men, right? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and and not, not that Adam didn't know, you know, but I mean, what happens? They go ahead and they do the one thing that God tells them not to do. And God comes locking. Hey, guys, where are you? Adam, Eve, where are you? You know, walking, looking to find him, and, and where 
Where are they? They're hiding. Why are they hiding? Because they're naked. Yeah. You know, and God could have turned around and walked away and said, you know what? Hey, I'm done. I'm done, but he doesn't. He provides a covering for them. Remember Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 6? Remember the prophet? Um, he gets an opportunity to, to see God in all of his glory. He talks about his kingdom. And the minute that vision is open before his head, what does he say? Woe is me. Why? Because I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a sinner. And, and, and in, that, in that moment, Peter looks and he says, I know who I am now. And Jesus says, yeah, yeah, but I'm here with you. And he calls us to an intimate relationship with him. He calls us to draw close to him, that we might be able to go ahead and, and to live with him in such a way that it brings him honor and glory. And with all of, our, all of our mess, and we all have a mess, we all have a mess. But he calls us to, to draw close, to don't think you've arrived, don't stop, keep coming. And even though those, there'll be times in your life when you feel, I'm not worthy, I'm not worthy, and that might be true at that moment in your head, it is never a thought in his. Never. He didn't send his son down to die for your sins in some willy-nilly notion that he had nothing better to do. When, when the son was nailed to that cross, he was nailed specifically for you. And he did it because he loves you, because he loves me. And, and when you love somebody, you want to have a relationship, not just something, you know, that's out here, but something that's deep within. Something that we can take with us throughout the week. So that, you know what? We realize whose we are. Who we are. What we can do. Love Him with all our heart, soul, might, everything. Love our neighbors as ourselves. So we look at this and this whole story starts from Jesus telling a, a, a great story. And everybody's listening to Peter being asked to do something that he's probably never done in his life because good fishermen don't do that and to having an encounter with the king and then lastly when we look at this we notice that we're called to a new way of living and this is where it begins to change we're called to a commitment we need the church to do it we need one another we're called to this incredible intimacy so that when we move out from here and we walk out, we walk out different. We walk out living a new way because we understand who we are and whose we are and how that makes an incredible difference in our life. We move out of here because we have a new purpose, new meaning. Our past no longer defines us. Isn't that cool? I mean, there's things in my past that I, I'm so glad that those are covered by the blood. Those, those are no longer who I am. That's not who Jack is. And it's not who you are. And so starting today, you know, every day we have an opportunity to, to grow in that, to live for him in a brand new way. This new way trumps all of our old things. It sets them aside. It covers them with the shed blood and it says, step out and, and follow me. I, I love this because they, they move, Peter and, and uh, you know, James and John, the partners, they, they move from becoming fishermen to becoming fishers of men. Jesus says in verse 9, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. I mean, this is amazing. This never happens. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, 
who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to them, to him, Simon, don't be afraid. And those are God's word to you. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to stand up, to step up, to, to be what you need to be for the King of Kings. D don't be afraid to face difficult trials in life. Don't be afraid that um, you, you're so afraid that you're willing to give up. Never. Don't be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Step up and say, maybe I can't do this, but the power of the Holy Spirit within me will give me the ability to do that. Don't be afraid, he says, from now on, you will be catching men. And then notice the response. And when he had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. That word follow means to become a part of the whole. It's part of the well. That in every situation, in every moment of life, that Jesus is a part of the well because he's a part of you. That when you find yourself being tempted to do that which you know that you ought not to do because you believe the word of God, you need to know that that following is that Jesus is there and he's saying, hey, don't do that. Don't go there. It, it, it's an intimacy that can only be experienced by someone who understands who they are. That they're a sinner saved by grace, but I am a child of the King. And they're willing to never stop, but to keep moving in that direction. They said they left everything. Well, what does that mean that they left everything? They left two boats full of fish. Left them. Left them. To follow Jesus. So what would God call you to leave? I mean, he called Joe into the ministry, but he didn't call everybody into the ministry. Although we're all ministers. Maybe he's called you to step up here and to be an elder, or to be a leader. Maybe he's called you to put aside something that you thought was important. And instead, to go ahead and to focus on something here that God has called you to. I don't know what that is, but you do. And you know in the deepest recesses of your heart and mind what that is, too, because it's been gnawing at you for a while. You know what it is. But you've been afraid. Or maybe you've listened to somebody that you shouldn't have listened to. Or maybe you just, you know, think you know better. See, Jesus says, look, follow me. And I promise you that if you do, I will rewrite your story. And I will rewrite it in such a way that you will be amazed by the ride that God has for you. Watch this video. writing the words that could change the world since the very first time someone called me a mean name, and I understood the incredible power words have. The world was my blank page, and I was the author of my own first-person narrative. When I start writing a story, I tend to start backward, because I usually know how I want it to end. The ending is always the most important to me. 
So I start with my happy ending, and then I start working on the beginning. And from there, the middle of the story is built. This is how I tried to live my life as well. If I wanted to get to the end, my beginning had to start a certain way, often meaning a drastic change of some sort. And from there, I could fill in the rest. Only this doesn't work so well in real life. It wasn't before long that I began to realize that the rest of the world wasn't cooperating with the story I'd been writing for myself. If I was my own protagonist, reality was my ultimate antagonist, the arch enemy of my story. The rest of the world rarely cared about furthering my story, let alone helping me to get to my happy ending. There were plot twists I never saw coming, and often when I finally made my way to what I thought might be the end, or at least an end, it was a hollow victory. It was never the end. It was never enough. For someone writing my own story, I felt amazingly out of control of the whole thing. For 24 years, I tried to keep moving forward. I'm a firm believer that authors are driven by two motives. The desire to be loved for their creation, and the desire to be known through their creation. In my reality, my creation was myself, and it was neither loved nor known. And I was ready for the story to be over. So I stopped writing the story. But something, somehow, kept it moving forward. I could only ignore the truth of it for so long. Someone else was writing my story. There was someone else writing the whole story, and I needed to know who it was. As I said, an author wants to be known through his creation. So I finally opened my eyes and started looking around me. I discovered it wasn't just me. There was so much more to take into consideration. I began to understand this author hadn't just made me, he'd authored an entire world. I started studying my author, looking back into my story, and seeing something fuller, something I hadn't seen before. I had to understand what was going on. And then a friend one day told me I could stop studying him from a distance, and I could get to personally know him instead. But why would the author of the universe want to know me? It took me a while to truly understand that just like I love every character I've ever created, every effort I've poured on the blank pages of notebook paper, and every moment I've spent lost in the fictional worlds I've created, the author of the universe loves me because he made me. So where did this leave me? day I wake up in God's story and I have a choice what role I get to play. Some days I'm the protagonist, some days more of a supporting character, but one thing has become increasingly clear. I'm not the main character of this story. I'm his and this is his story. See, when that reality hits you, that um, 
that this is his story being played out and lived out in your life it makes all the difference in the world you learn that what is important that you used to think is no longer important and where you thought that life was going to take you doesn't matter anymore because what matters is where he's going to take you But if you don't give up, like Peter, he didn't wake up and say, I think today I'll follow Jesus. But that was God's plan. And God used Peter to change the world. And I believe with all my heart that God is going to use you in the same way. To change the world. But he's calling you to a deeper commitment. He's calling you to be a part of the well and to be a part of his body here. To trust it and to love it like he does. And then he's calling you into this deep, intimate relationship. And he says, won't you come? Won't you come? And the coming is the following. And when you follow him, you will find yourself doing things that you never imagined. You couldn't have written them down. You couldn't have planned them. You will find yourself in a place where God uses you to change the world. He promises that he would go with us, that he wouldn't forsake us, that he has a plan. But you've got to be willing to set those things aside those things that you think are important and allow him to write your story to allow him to take what's inside you and make it bigger and better and greater than you ever thought or imagined it's an amazing ride and I just hope that you grab hold of that and you experience that because in doing so, you will be changed. But the beauty of that is everyone around you will be changed as well. Father God, thank you for this story. Because it's our story. changed our life and now we're trying to figure out where do we fit in we already know the ending Father God for those who have trusted you with our with our lives and we've accepted what you've done on that cross for our sins then we already know that we will live happily ever after but it's about today today will we trust you to write your story through our lives. My prayer is that we will. My prayer is that we would set aside our selfishness and our own personal desires and we would say yes to you. That we would say yes to loving you, to caring about you, to caring about one another. And we will set aside, Father God, all those things that are in the way of just loving you. And so do what needs to be done cut out what no longer needs to be there. Enable us, Father God, to just love you 
with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our might. We ask this in your name. Amen. As we close, we'll, uh, we'll close like we usually do by uh, participating in communion together as a, as a family. And uh, maybe as we prepare our hearts to come and to receive communion together, we struggle with this picture of Jesus, right? This, this whole message that Jack said today. Struck with the, the picture of that call that Jesus has on our lives to walk in deeper commitment um, and, and to walk together and not alone um, and to be known rather than to hide, right? Um, and, and to live a different life than what we lived before. That seems to be the crux of what the Lord has spoken to us through Jack today. And as I think about that, I think of like, what's the motivation for us? The motivation is the cross of Christ, isn't it? Isn't that what it is? Because he did this for you and I. Because he is the author of your story, like the video shared. That's what's so moving about all of this. It's not, it's not like we have a daddy who's just sitting in the back of the room and beating the ever-living tar out of us. Like, you've got to get after this. It's really that... He sent his son to do this for us. Jesus was committed to us so much that he went to the cross for us. And so our commitment to him is motivated by that picture of the cross, right? The fact that we're never alone, that he never leaves us or forsakes us. That when he died at that cross, that was done so that we could be in relationship with him and then in relationship with others in the church family to be known that intimately like a husband and wife know each other in the bedroom that intimately that deeply that that naked in front of one another this picture that Jesus when he went to the cross he knew everything about you and I he knew you and I that intimately all the good all the bad yet he still loved us past doesn't define us, the future that he's taken us to. Man, what a good picture to motivate us to think about the cross of Christ, his broken body, his shed blood. And that's why we celebrate communion together. And what we're doing is we're really celebrating the new life that he's giving us, right? This new life that he's called each of us into through the cross. And so as we celebrate communion here in just a minute, um, this meal that we're celebrating, this is for believers, this is for people who have trusted in Christ, who are now motivated by that picture of the cross, who are hearing the call of Jesus to walk in deeper fellowship with Him, and deeper fellowship with one another, deeper commitment to Him, and deeper commitment to one another changed life, a new life, so that this meal is for believers because we're celebrating and remembering what Christ did for us and what he now continues to do in and through us. And if you're here and you're not yet a believer, then this meal is not for you. Thankful that you're here. We want you to continue to be here. 
Um, but we would not want you to do something or partake in something that would just be kind of a religious activity. We want it to have meaning, deep meaning for you. This moment, right now, as you think through this, and as you heard the word preached, could have been that moment for you where you began to trust in Christ. You began to say, and I am deeply sinful. And I recognize that the author of all things has been writing a story through me and gave his son for me. And so I want to walk differently. I want to trust in him. That could be this moment for you. And if that's you, we would invite you to come forward as well. I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to serve you communion for the first time. The way that we do communion here is uh, here in a minute, uh, after I pray, we'll stand and we'll worship together. And as the Lord leads you, uh, then you would come forward. There'll be a person here and there'll be somebody over here uh, to serve you the elements of communion. Uh, and we'd also like to pray with you if you have any prayer needs. Um, and so uh, let the Holy Spirit lead you in, in, in the timing of this because it's good for us to also let the preaching of God's word just speak to our hearts too. So thank you, Jack, for preaching to us. Um, let me pray for us, and that's, that let's worship and take you together. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for this message that Jack has preached in our midst, this uh, great reminder that you came to the cross for us. Your commitment to us was so great that you left the perfection of heaven to come to this sin-soaked place to save sin-soaked rebels like us so that we could be uh, part of a new family that work at the cross. Help us to rest in you as we worship and as we take communion together. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me? You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.